I saw it myself. Hey, people buy ships of two million or three million dollars, and they sell it for ten million. That sounds like a profitable business. But let's say you buy it now, and the market crashes to three, two, four thousand dollar a day, which can happen because in the bigger market it goes very quick. Yeah. To start with the basics, how we earn our money is. Welcome to a new episode. Today we are joined by an experienced S&P ship broker. This episode is a comprehensive masterclass in the world of S&P shipbroking. Hello, Rodrik. Welcome to the Maritime Vision Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you today. Uh, can you present yourself? Talk about your background, please. I do. Uh, but I first, thanks uh, that I can uh, join you guys. Thank you. Um, about myself, I, um, I'm a real shipping man, to be honest, or shipping man. It's a bit uh, a broad uh, uh, sentence, but... Uh, I always wanted to go into shipping, but when I was young, I didn't know exactly which way. But the only thing I wanted to do something with ships, uh, yeah. the seagoing ships. So uh, my background is basically, I uh, after my um, uh, uh, bachelor, I went uh, to the nautical school in uh, Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. The, so you have uh, different grade, uh, grades of nautical school. So I went to the nautical school where you can get all your licenses. And then I went uh, sailing for uh, on uh, deep sea vessels. Okay. And... I really like that, to be honest. So that was in the 90s. Uh, and I sailed for almost 10 years, let's say nine, nine and a half years, uh, on different kinds of ships. So heavy cargo ships, uh, row ships, um, passenger ships, uh, coasters, everything. everything. And uh, I really like that. But the thing is, <clears throat> I'm also a bit ambitious guy. <laughs> and I have difficulty working for a boss. So the combination is, okay, I, I want to crack my brain a bit more. So I want to, a bit, to go a bit more in the commercial side of okay. shipping. So after I sailed for nine, nine and a half years, I stopped uh, and I went studying again full-time uh, on the University of Ghent in Antwerp to do uh, mm. maritime science. It's a master now called maritime science. Um, and um, then I, like every university, you have to write a thesis, of course. Well, so I wrote a thesis. And by chance, I took the subject of uh, uh, the, second-hand, uh, the trade in second-hand vessels. Okay. So uh, then I came into this world of uh, buying and selling ships, and uh, I really liked it. Uh, so when I finished my uh, studies, I, of course, I didn't have any money anymore. So I had to yeah. sail again. So I sailed for one more year. But I sent uh, applications everywhere uh, because I didn't have uh, like a connection network or whatever. So I, I, so I applied for a lot of uh, companies. But yeah, of course, they didn't want to hire me because I didn't have the right connections. Yeah. I was not son of a ship owner or yeah. whatever, these kind of things. So, uh, but then uh, after a while, uh, a local small company here in Rotterdam uh, called Actually, they tried to call me, but they called my uh, girlfriend at that time. Okay. From, uh, okay, when he's back, uh, let them call us. And uh, then I joined the company, a very small company, and they were not really a competitive company. So basically, yeah. they were a sale and purchase company, so sale and purchase broker company, but they are only doing for two standard accounts. So they do okay. not competitive, is what we call it. Uh, and I joined because their business was going down, and uh, they asked me, okay, maybe you can try to do some competitive. Mm. I was blue like crazy, to be honest. I, I, I green like crazy. I, I didn't know anything about uh, yeah. the network. Of course, of course, I had my network with ship owners where I sales for. So I just tried, and uh, it went out pretty well, actually, I must say. So after uh, a few years, or actually one half year, I said, okay, okay and maybe we sit together again, because most of the turnover is coming from me. So I took over the company, and then before you know it, you're 20 years down the road, oh. and uh, now we're sitting here talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, that's very briefly. So um, I have a nautical background. I sailed. I have my education is nautical and engineering. Uh, and then I did uh, the economical side and the law side on university. Yes. 
but again, that's also the nice thing about shipping is you see so many different people, people with and without education. Only if you have a sharp brain, you will get there. That's also, I'm not saying that's the only thing about shipping, which you don't see in other uh, segments. That's not true. Of course, there are also other segments with people, self-made people. Uh, uh, but I meet so many nice characters in shipping with different kind of backgrounds, or they have to, they were a lawyer, or they yeah. were worked in construction, or whatever. It's totally different. But if you have a mindset and you want to go there, and you, you have a brain uh, working uh, properly, then uh, you'll get there. And that's the nice thing about shipping. It's not really focused on uh, on uh, certificates or yeah. education, uh, at least not with the majority. Of course, with the big corporates it is, yeah. but with uh, the main part of ship owners and uh, shipping companies, it's not the case. That's good. And when you, the fact that you are a seafarer, it, it helps you to, to be a good uh, SNP broker? Or? Um, uh, it helps you in one sense, and it um breaks you in another sense because in the beginning you look at it a bit more from the technical side so okay but the ship it's really a shitty you know sorry but uh, basically yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah, yeah. you 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 cannot uh, uh focus on this but from a commercial side some ships are quite interesting even if they're technically not so interesting mm. so that's one mm. thing but it uh, overall it helps you because especially when you're young and you just started in a new new kind of work when you uh, you have to drive yourself into in the market there's a, quite a fierce competition mm. so a ship owner a potential client they can work with me but they can also work with other yeah. more experienced guys but if they have a feeling okay you know a bit about ships and especially the smaller ship owners they much appreciate that mm. so it helps you when talking about it you, they know you know about ships if yeah. you know I mean. so that that helps especially in the beginning and it helps a bit to to pinpoint okay this ship not this ship, yes, or this mm. is a, a problem with the ship. But overall, this work, still purchase of uh, ships, whether it's second-hand or new-built, it's, uh, it's, let's say, 70% uh, commercial. Okay. And 30%, it's more about the technicalities. In order to be good commercially, you have to know the knowledge of the technical side. Mm. So you have to know, okay, what the ships is not like all ship brokers, they have no clue. Of course, I know there are a few of them. Yeah. But uh, if you want to be really good, you have to be on top of what you are. Uh, you have to give, be able to give proper advice mm. to your clients. Okay, this I wouldn't do because of this and that, eh, technical side, or other way around. So it helps, but it's not, uh, not the main thing you need. Uh, okay, this thing. And can you <coughs> talk a little bit about your beginning? I mean, when you start from scratch, uh, first day as a, in S&P uh, company, what, what is it? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I have to remember, of course, uh, the times are changing pretty yeah. quick because everybody's saying this, but I started, let's say, in 2003. And then, uh, uh, of course, uh, you you are employed by older generations. So mm. basically, it was a bit more conservative. Shipping is conservative. Yeah, it's yeah. a, a <laughs> thing about shipping. It's also an, um, an opportunity for shipping, I think, by the way, but maybe we come back to that later. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, uh, when I started uh, the... Uh, the, the, my mentor at that time was uh, almost 70 years old uh, and uh, had to wear a suit, had to wear a tie, you know, you had to to, uh, to be very formal uh, uh, while nobody was here. It was only three of us. And she mm. sometimes even two of us. Yeah. There was no visitors because if I uh, had to, to meet clients, I had to go there. Yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, so it was a very um, yeah, a traditional uh, way, but it's good too for learning. Um, so I had to get used to that. 
to get into that kind of a mode because I'm, uh, I'd like to wander around a bit. Uh, but um, it was good for my education, I think. But uh, after a few weeks, I thought already, okay, this you can do much more efficient. Yeah. At that time, I didn't know how, but I had a feeling already. Okay, I come here. This is how they do it, and it's not really a wonder why they're not so doing good at the moment. Eh? Okay. You have to really be more on top of it, and uh, maybe that's also your your commercial brain yeah. or your assertive pain. Commercial is maybe not a good word, but. You really have to get out. You have to just try and don't be afraid to get the door in your face, basically. <laughs> yeah. And that's what the, it was really based on existing relations. So uh, I thought it was very conventional. It was also very good for me to learn the basics, really go step by step. Uh, but I very quickly thought, that, okay, I have to go a different way. But I had no clue eh, at that time about the work. Of course, I know about ships, but uh, what's an offer? Uh, what's important in an offer if you want to buy a ship? Uh, what are the little snakes here and there? Uh, why? What you should do and what you should not do? Uh, these things you only learn by doing, but also by being teached. Uh, and that's, uh, of course, that's always nice in a new job. Uh, everybody who starts a new job, in the beginning it's nice because you get all this kind of new information. You go, oh, oh it works like this. Oh, it goes like this. Well, maybe I should do it like this. And you find yourself if you have a talent for it or not, mm. or if you have a... Um, and uh, yeah, if you have a drive for it or not. And for me, that was the case. So if I go back to the first days, I right away know, okay, this is a nice job. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Because I can get my own freedom if I do it properly later on, even though it was very uh, conv- uh, uh, conventional, um, conservative. But then I know, okay, if I do this properly, I can build my own way. Here. Right. So um, yes. yeah, so it was a bit of both ways. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk now about the job itself. What what is an S&P ship broker? Uh, what is your role and responsibilities? And as people yeah, yeah. to start, basically, of course, most people know. Uh, let's say you have a real estate broker. Mm-hmm. Right? If you want yeah. to buy a house, right? you go to a broker and uh, you try to find a proper house. Or if you have a house, you want to sell it, you also go to a broker. Basically, shipping that's also the same. Right? Ship owner, there are ship owners worldwide, mm-hmm. and they want to buy a ship or they want to sell a ship if we talk about the second-hand market. So sometimes they try to do it themselves because they have relations in their network themselves, but sometimes they don't know and they just ask a broker or they know brokers and brokers uh, come to them uh, with, uh, with with clients or with, uh, with inquiries. But there it stops a little bit, of course. Uh, so we, we are sort of intermediary between ship owners, ship owners worldwide. So we, if, uh, let's say, for instance, an, uh, an owner wants to sell a ship, he comes to me and said, what, okay, uh, this one, uh, yeah, we want to get rid of it, uh, or it's not, uh, we cannot fit her in our own fleet or in our program, or our contract stopped, so it doesn't fit anymore. Then I, uh, if you're a good broker, you know already, okay, this ship fits with this, there's an inquiry here or there, there's a, a Spanish guy, or there's a, an Albanian guy, or there's a Turkish guy, or there's a Chinese uh, company looking for this kind of ships. So normally you know already a little bit, okay, where are the buyers? Okay. Uh, sometimes in your own network, you have a buyer already. Okay. So then you have to see as a broker, you can be the only broker uh, or there are two brokers, one on the buyer side, one on the seller side. Sometimes there are also people in the middle, but then uh, we always try to avoid it. Okay. It's like a, a mailbox. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't add any value. Because okay. added value, that's the thing. I th- as a broker, it's not only you try to connect or find the right ship, but also you have to make a selection from, okay, 
this is a right ship or this is a good buyer and this is not a good buyer and why it's not a good buyer or you should be a bit careful on this because they would like a lot but they don't have money you know, mm-hmm. or or they they would like to but they come from a, an area which is sanctioned uh, yeah. for instance so that's one thing but also then uh, let's say if you're on the on the buying side and you you have several ships in front of you you have to be able to say okay this ship this ship yes and that ship not i present so you present your client various options whether it's buyers or ships um, and then uh, uh, you try to filter it and of course there are follow-up questions so you try to get everything on the table whether it's the technical documentations um, uh, questions being answered uh, commercial information mm. uh, background information because that's the thing about shipping it's worldwide and like i said if i have a dutch client and he likes to buy a ship he can buy a ship maybe from a, uh, from a company from South America, but also maybe from China or from Turkey. And apart from being uh, different kinds of uh, uh, parts of the world, it's also different cultures. Mm. So the communication is also going differently there. Okay. So you as a broker also have to know, okay, this is, I have to, 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 to discuss this in a bit different way than in, uh, instead of the direct Dutch way, just slam dunk in your face, uh, yes or no. That yeah. doesn't work with someone. <laughs> So yeah. all these kind of things you have to help. And a lot of clients, they, they they know it or they do not know it very well or they're not aware of it or they don't want to spend time on it. So you really are a sort of an extension of your clients uh, trying to, uh, during the process of this buying and selling. Uh, but you're not being paid. You're only being paid if a ship is being sold. So basically... Uh, uh, so, but come back on the work. So you you filter, you search, you do all kinds of uh, anal- analytics, um, and then once you have to find the, uh, you found uh, the right ship or the right buyer, then you have to arrange inspection of ships, for instance, uh, all these kind of things. If everything is okay, then you go on the the commercial the negotiation side. Okay. So then you also advise your clients: Can okay, you whether you could do this or that? Uh, or uh, be careful about this because there's a technical problem with the ship, so you really have to be sure that it's arranged before delivery, mm. all this kind of thing. So you help your client negotiating. Once the negotiating is done, and it's done successfully, you come to an agreement. But in shipping, you come to an agreement, not only shipping, it's everywhere, on main terms. So you have agreed among, let's say, 10, 11 terms. But of course, on the basis of that, you're going to make a contract. Yeah. And the contract is much wider. That's all more details. But we, as a broker, also make the contracts. Mm. Of course, on the basis of standard contracts. But we help them. Uh, and it's not rocket science. Eh? Because uh, you should not right away throw it over your shoulder uh, on the desk of a lawyer. Uh, I'm not saying lawyers are very good ones. They can help you really good. But of course, a lot of things, they're, they're not that, that uh, yeah. difficult. So the, the most simple part you can do as a broker, only when it becomes difficult and you're not sure... Then you say, okay, my advice is maybe check yes. a bit with the lawyer here and there. So we also make the contracts. Uh, sometimes uh, there are still subjects, what we call them. Eh? So people basically buy a ship, but they still have to arrange the finance completely. Uh, okay. eh? So then you make sure that uh, there's a certain time frame and that it's being uh, taken care of or not. So all these kind of things you do. And then once everything is done, contract is signed. And then... Of course, uh, a down payment, a deposit, what we call it, has to be paid. So, but where do you pay it? Let's say if you have a buyer from China, you have a seller from uh, from Norway. They don't know each other. They never met each other. Uh, uh, where are you going to put the money? 
Yeah, the, the, the seller wants to have it in his own account, but the buyer says, yeah, sorry, I don't know the guy. Uh, so you have to find an, an escrow agent, what they call it. It can be a notary, a lawyer, but it has to be uh, um, agreeable to both parties. Okay, so it can be London, or it can be uh, maybe in Greece, or in, in Hong Kong, or in Singapore, whatever you name it. So all these kind of things. And then, of course, there's also a contract connected to it, because they put the money in a third-party account, how it's being handled, and what is, things goes wrong. So all these kind of things, you help them as well. Uh, and once again, uh, a lot of things are standard, so it's not like uh, you have to invent the wheel uh, yourself. Yeah. But you, uh, if you do this quite often, you know, you, you see all these kind of things, you know where the problems are or mm-hmm. where, where the problems are not. So um, so uh, money payment, and then actually what we call the post-fixture. So you have a contract signed, deposit paid, and basically then it could well take uh, days, weeks, months before the ship is really de- being delivered. Meaning... Okay, uh, for instance, now in January, we make an agreement. Uh, you, you bought a ship and you're happy, but the ship is only being delivered in April. Mm. So we have a few months left until the ship. So, But there's a lot of things to be arranged in that time, eh? whether it's uh, practical, uh, there has to be a diver's inspection on the, on the water part, maybe be arranged. Maybe some things have to be repaired on the ship itself. Uh, you want to, as a buyer, you want to uh, register the ship under a different flag, uh, and you want to have a different class society. Yeah? So every ship has a class um, uh, society uh, issuing certificates. That's yeah? uh, the mandatory solar yeah. certificates, all these kind of things. Uh, so if you want to change, you have to prepare that. So a new flag, new class. Yeah. Uh, what kind of documents, all these kind of things have to, uh, people have to get familiarized, your new crew. Okay, if you delivered, delivered in April, yeah, of course you cannot expect your crew right away to sail away with the ship. Yeah. No, they, so maybe uh, two or three people in advance, they go to the ship, uh, yeah. they familiarize themselves, all these kind of things. So there are a lot of practical things. And that's if all goes well, because that's also the shitty part, but also the nice part about our job, there's always something not going as planned. Okay. Yeah? So then it's your job as well to uh, to sort of fix these problems, yeah, whether it's uh, the ship uh, hit another ship or whatever, mm. or uh, there's some miscommunication or people uh, yeah, want something extra, they don't get it, so uh, there's a bit more emotions there. Mm. It's your role as a broker to try to keep things on track and to be sure that all the parties involved and there are a lot of parties eh, involved. Uh, they are there uh, at the, in April, uh, at the right time and the right date, uh, that the ship is going to be delivered. Okay. So it's very quickly, but that uh, contains a lot of work, actually. Okay. Wow. You told us a lot of things about the add value you bring as a ship broker. Can you maybe elaborate more about it? Because people think like the ship broker is like real estate agent. We just uh, take commission between to sell. Yeah, exactly. It's but job, I think yeah. it's more than that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... Uh, if you do it properly, it's much more than that. And the funny thing is, of course, there are also brokers. They just they fix it and then they throw it over the shoulder, maybe to a post-fisher department mm-hmm. and the bigger uh, broker shops have that. And it's just about money, money, money. Of course, we are a smaller company, also relatively a medium-sized company. So we have 10 people and basically we are here for the long run. And what I just told you about the, the post-fisher process, it's actually in that process where you can really be of assistance to your client and where you you create a lasting uh, impression. And the basis on your performance there, they can come back. So it's really a long-term business. So, okay, uh, I want to create, uh, and uh, I honestly believe that whatever we do, I have the the best interest of my clients in mind. And uh, so 
and I do that because I want to do the next ship as well. Mm. And sometimes there are very nice people as well. Uh, so I'm not saying they're all friends, but basically you want to do the best for these people because they are your clients. Yeah. You want to do... You, uh, I can uh, tell you sometimes I had a deal and something went wrong and it was outside my, my own uh, influence sphere. But if things go wrong, you really think, oh, shit, I had to do this yeah. better. Why, what did, uh, could I have done uh, differently? So I think that's a correct feeling that you try to to add value that, yeah, like I said, you are an extension of the ship owner's organization. And basically you only paid if you succeed. And it's still quite funny. A lot of owners don't see it like this. They see, especially in the north of Europe, eh, it's a bit more uh, like a Calvinistic uh, kind yeah. of, oh, a broker costs money. But actually, a broker, if you use him correctly or misuse him correctly, eh, it's misused correctly, <laughs> cannot. <laughs> but uh, basically then... Uh, it can bring a lot of value value because you're sort of a free employee of the owner for that process. And um, of course you have to pay him money, uh, but that's uh, incorporated already in the price you agreed upon. So yes. it's not something. Uh, so uh, in the sense, uh, uh, some owners know this and they really, you build up a relation and trust because that's for us. If we have more trust from the client, mm. we get more information because trust means actually information. Eh? So if people trust you, they yeah. are a bit more freely, okay, yeah, actually, I don't want to do this, or I'm also working on this. Uh, so, that, but for me, that's very important because then, if they trust me that I don't misuse that information and use it to the proper and the proper way, I can do much better for them. I can, if I know he needs a bit more time, I can okay, I can, and I know why. I can do the uh, try to do my best to to slow down a little bit the whole process or um, help him in a way where he's struggling with or whatever. So all these kind of things. Uh, um, yeah, it's a. The added value comes uh, when you have a good relation, because you have more added value if there's more trust. But in order to create trust, you have to show your added value. So that's a bit of catch them yeah. to do here. Eh? So in order to do so, you just have to work hard and show people that you really you have the knowledge that you are 24 hours a day, seven days a week available to do things. So it's it's hard working, but then after a while, it, starts, it keeps on going. And um, yeah, and your knowledge. Eh? knowledge, experience, yeah, we, we do this every day. And uh, most ship owners only buy and sell, uh, the smaller owners maybe two or three times, and the bigger owners maybe uh, 10 times. Mm. But we do it almost every day. Okay. Not that we fix the sale, it would be nice. <laughs> you know, of course, yeah. So we see a lot of situations already before. So uh, all these kind of things you can help a lot. Uh, Okay, quite interesting. And you told us about the contract because you have a uh, specific kind of contract. What is the, the specific contract? Uh, uh, basically, in shipping, you have a few standard contracts. It depends also a bit on the region. Okay. But like uh, the majority of the sales being done in, in uh, buying, selling second-hand ships mm -hmm. is done on the basis of the Norwegian sale form. And then the latest version is 2012. So we call it NSF 2012. Okay. Norwegian sale form 2012. Uh, and of course, there will be an upgrade and then there's a different year uh, behind. So that's basically the standard contract. But uh, the, the thing is, it's the standard contract and it's always amended on the basis of what these 10 or 11 points you agreed upon. Okay. Of course, these 10 or 11 points you negotiate on, they're also derived from this. It's not like they're completely different. Uh, but so you agree upon uh, with two parties, let's say 10 terms. And these 10 terms, if they differ a bit in the standard contract, you amend the standard contract. Okay. I mean, or you add some clauses and these kind of things. So um, uh, so that's the Norwegian sale form. But if you go to the Far East, for instance, if you go to Japan, you have the Nippon sale. 
it's a it's a local uh, sales company. If you go to Singapore, uh, that's the, the the Singapore uh, sales forum. Eh? And now with BIMCO, which is a big organization, they also created their own uh, sales forum as well. Um, so there are several sales forms, uh, but the majority is done on the, the means. Yeah. Okay, so in the Netherlands is the the Norwegian. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, you cannot really talk about Netherlands because, of course, I have a lot of clients here. But our our client base is mainly Europe, but yeah. we also talk with the uh, worldwide. So it's it's basically everywhere. Okay, interesting. So let's talk more about now the macroeconomic side about the market dynamic. Um, what can you say about the S and P uh, market? Oh, you need to analyze it. What are the considerations when? Because last time you explained us in class about the market, uh, everything you need to. Yeah, the market, of course, is a very big uh, container word, basically. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's difficult to really pinpoint down what's the market. It depends on uh, where you're working from. For, for instance, I do a lot in the, the short sea, so around Europe. So these are the smaller ships uh, applying the seas around Europe. <coughs> That market is different than the market. Like, for instance, the big container market going east-west, Uh, with the bigger container ships. So there's a different dynamics. But overall, of course, the, the shipping market is derived from the overall economic activity. And you have to see shipping is transport. The transport of what? Of goods. Goods or to manufacture things, yeah. so raw materials, or consumer goods, so uh, products, uh, maybe in containers. Mm. And that's dependent on the, on the spending of people or the production levels. So if people, if it goes well in the economy in the world, eh, people spend more money, whether it's companies or consumers, more things are being fabricated or need to be fabricated, more has to be transported. So that's the the, the core, of course. Eh? How good, uh, how more trade there is, how more transport is required, uh, how better the shipping markets are doing, basically. That's the demand side. Then you have the supply side. Supply side, of course, in shipping is very easy. You have ships, an amount of ships. But not only ships, also the distance they have to travel. Yeah. So basically, okay, for instance, uh, what you see now in the Red Sea yeah, with the, the, the Houthi uh, 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 attacks, it means a lot of container ships, they're not going through that area anymore. Mm. They go around Cape, Good Hope. Uh, meaning, it's a lot more distance they have to travel. But the amount of products they, they, they carry on the same ship is the same. But it takes longer. Yeah. If it takes longer, uh, means you need more ships uh, yeah. to carry in the same amount of time, uh, amount of goods you want to carry. Yeah? So suddenly you need more ships. Yeah. So that's uh, the, the demand. Supply side, of course, you have an amount of ships. You know what the trade routes are. And if trade routes change, okay, that can influence the amount of ships required. How do you change the ships itself? It's by having new builds or scrapping them when they uh, are becoming obsolete, mm, for instance. Yeah. Um, so you take them off or you uh, add them. Scrapping goes very quick, but adding new ships, it's not like you, you manufacture a ship in a few weeks time. No, it takes two years, maybe even longer, depends on the type of ships. So even if you see now the market is good, oh, we need more ships, you order them now, they come in two years time, but maybe the market is different in two years time, nobody knows. Yeah, that's... So on the market, at the, if you look at the current market, of course, uh, um, Uh, the market was, economical situation was 
pretty good mm. in Europe. And in the last few years, especially 2022, mm. after COVID, suddenly a lot of people, during COVID, a lot of people ordered a lot of stuff. So container rates went sky high. Container rates, all the ships were trying to transport containers. That means some ships went out of other uh, markets. That markets got a shortage of supply of ships as well. So suddenly then uh, that market goes up as well. So it's all a bit connected to each other. Okay. So these kind of things. So that happened in 2022. This uh, All markets basically went up. Maybe not tanker markets in, in essence, but uh, all dry side, yes. 2023 was still pretty good, but you saw in the second part, it really, uh, mm. yeah, the summer was not so good. But historically seeing, we still in a proper uh, uh, market level. I think mm. the rates were still good. But what happened actually the last few years, the, if we talk about sale and purchase of ships, the prices in the last two years, it went up crazy. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm not saying they doubled, yeah, maybe for some ships, yes. But they, become, they became so expensive that now the market is still good, but lower, you have to get adjustment. And that's one thing about the market, things going up, goes very quick. Things going down, okay. takes some time. And that has certain reasons, it's all very logical. Uh, people earned a lot of money. So for instance, a ship owner, he sees the market is maybe a little bit uh, not so good as it was before, but he earned a lot of money. So the pressure for him mm. to do something with the ship, he can still earn some money with the ship because it's still a decent decent uh, market. But if you want to sell, he still wants to sell at a proper good mar- uh, good uh, price. And the price he has in mind is the last done price, yes. which was high. So it takes some time to uh, to um, uh, to correct that. And that's in the phase where we are at the moment, uh, I think. Uh, um, things have to, to, to correct, uh, but it goes slow. Um, and then, uh, but that's on the dry side. If you look at the tanker market, the wet market, they have a good time. Yeah. And there's also a shortage of ships here and there. Uh, some new trade lanes here and there. So there, there's ships required. So that market went up. It's an, on a good level now. It's a bit stable, but it's on a good level. So there are all different kind of market. Container market they crashed again. In eh, last summer, basically, they went really down. Now with this kind of thing in, in the Red Sea, you see it going up again. Yeah, but that's, I wonder, that's only a temporary thing because uh, the fundamentals of the economics, it's not because there's suddenly much more uh, spending, much more containers are required. No, mm. it's because the distance is uh, is uh, lengthened. Yeah? Right, so yeah. that's why they need suddenly more ships. But if that situation is solved and they go, uh, they still again via the Red Sea, uh, the Suez Canal, mm. suddenly you come back to the same kind of level. So, okay, interesting. So, um, so. You, that's also one thing you as a broker, you have to keep track of, okay, what's going on? And okay, this is happening. What will that, uh, how did, will that influence my work, my clients, my trade, where I am in? So that's always something you have to keep track of. Um, okay. And also when something uh, terrible happens, like this war, in uh, whether it's Ukraine or uh, now in, in Gaza, Gaza maybe to a lesser extent because it's 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 a small yeah. it's very terrible what's happening here but the influence on shipping itself is more like what you see now in the Red Sea yeah, mm-hmm. the the yes. um, the, the, the the side effects of, of this uh, rather than the trade itself but like in Ukraine suddenly that really changed the the Black Sea market the Black Sea market yeah. is a big market because a lot of things are transported to Russia but also uh, Ukraine was a, a manufacturer or yeah, a lot of uh, raw materials went there or came there. Um, but that changed, of course. And also with the sanctions there, it changed because a yes. lot of companies, they, they took their heads off. We're not going to do. But of course, there are always people, they only look about money or they have a different way of looking about it. We in Europe are very focused. We think, okay, this is the proper way. 
And hey, that's that's good, I think. But you always have to realize that people that say, whether it's in Turkey or Middle East or in Far East, they look at the world differently. Yeah, they look yeah. at it from their perspective. So they think, okay, for us, it's an opportunity. I'm going to go there. I'm gonna, so some people earn a lot of money. Yeah, and, and we can say, yeah, but you don't uh, think about uh, what's happening there. You have to make a statement. But they say, yeah, sorry. It's another uh, world. I mean, yeah. we, we look at it differently. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that it's right, but you have to be realistic. That's how it works. So um, uh, so that also changed that market completely. So a lot of ships were being sold actually to Turkey at the time. And Turkey, they, they started trading a lot to Russia and they earned a lot yes, of money. I know that. Yeah. So, so uh, basically, in a sense, we, uh, a lot of uh, Northwest European ship owners also uh, benefited from them because they could still sell their all the ships still to Turkey for a good price. Yes. So it's also a bit of a, okay, you can say, ah, no, we don't want to do anything with it, but you still sell and you know it's going to be used uh, in another country. Yeah? So it's always a yeah, bit it's, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for, but for like you said like if the market is crazy I mean the price of ships are very high uh, is it's maybe good for ship owners to sell their ships on during the period when this is cheap to buy some ships do we have this uh, right now this, they, everyone want to sell the ships no one want to buy it it's a good question because actually that's of course you sound like a broken now basically basically it is indeed in in my opinion a good time to sell your maybe less uh, efficient ships. It's not only about the market is now already past the the peak. It's going down. So it's a good market to to maybe try to sell and be assertive and not stick to this all high price, but get it maybe a bit less, but still a good price. Because I think, especially for the less efficient older ships, uh, I'm not sure how long they will get their prices. That's one thing. The other thing, the new regulations coming. Yeah, for uh, reduced the, the, the e- CO2. ETS, yeah. yeah, ETS, of course, started now. Um, but also, uh, the, 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 the environment, the, I mean, the environment of the population, they expect also some things to be changed. Yeah. And that's always surprised me. Yeah? People are really focused on about, um, the economics. Sometimes they underestimate the, um, the underflow of force in a society itself. And of course, we are not... Except for the container market. Container market is really in the face of consumers. But like other shipping companies, uh, shipping grain or whatever, mm-hmm. they they are not on the, uh, on the vision of, of, um, of the, the general public. Yeah. So they are a bit hidden away. So for them, indeed, they don't care too much because uh, people uh, say, uh, demand, okay, I want my transport to be green, for instance, but they don't have a name or a company in it. So that's why it takes some time, but it will come. Okay. So that's one thing as well the regulations will force less efficient ships out of the market or you have to spend money on them to make them more efficient. Okay. All, both cost money. So uh, in that sense, yes, you rather sell it. Um, but yeah, people are uh, reluctant and uh, sometimes they are too late. That's always, but it's not only shipping, it's everywhere. Always you think, yeah. ah, I should have done this half a year ago. For instance, I should have bought my house when the market was low or the interest rates were low. Yeah, that's how it is. Eh? It's easy to talk with hindsight. So, but indeed, hey, we're now a bit on the top of the market. So, uh, if you look at the, the, the uh, maybe I explained in the class as well, you have two classic ways of looking at shipping. Yeah? One is the, you buy a ship because you have a good contract and you earn with the trade of the ship. Yeah? And that used to be, it's not really anymore, uh, but still, let's call it the classic North or Scandinavian uh, shipping way of looking. So, Okay, I have a very good contract, so I need this ship. It fits in here. I can use it for five to ten years. 
I can earn such amount of money, so this is my return. Okay. Or you go to the South European, let's say the Greek yeah. way of looking at it, to say, okay, hey, this is a good ship. The market is really poor at the moment, but I think this ship is uh, worth more money. So I buy it now, very cheaply. I have an organization to manage to trade it, even in the bad market, for uh, as cheap as possible for a certain time until the market goes up. And if the market is up, I sell it for profit. They take more risk. I mean, it's, it's more risk. It's more opportunistic, but it's also much more rewarding in, a, in yes. an amount of money because yes. you can earn uh, people. I, I saw it myself. Uh, hey, people buy ships of two million uh, or three million dollars, and they sell it for ten million. Of course, it's not happening every day, and sometimes you have to wait uh, some time. But even if you uh, you buy a ship for three million, and you can sell it for three and a half or four million in half a year or one year's time. You cannot beat that with trading. It's yeah. a, it's a return on investment which everybody wants that. But the risk is of course same. It's very high because who's saying that the market going up? Maybe the market stays a long time like this, and then you're only losing money every day. Yeah, and that's the thing with shipping because if you buy a bigger ship. Let's say where the income, for instance, you buy a ship of 10 million, uh, a handy size book carrier. You buy a ship of uh, 10 million, uh, and the earnings of that ship is maybe uh, $12,000, $13,000 a day. The cost you make every day is maybe uh, $5,000 to $6,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And you have your uh, uh, you capital expansion. Uh, but So that sounds like a profitable business. But let's say you buy it now. And the market crashes to three or two, four thousand dollars a day, which can happen because in the bigger market it goes very quick. Yeah. Then you lose every day, maybe two to three thousand dollars. Yeah. It's fine if you have some money, but if it takes a year or one half year, it's a lot of money. Mm. But of course, what can happen as well is that the market goes up, and then instead of uh, three, four, it earns twenty or eighteen thousand dollars. So you see how how much, and that's every day, eh? so how much the cash flow is uh, dictating uh, decisions here and there. So, uh, but of course, that's a risk as well. And uh, yeah, you have to have the money to survive it uh, if you do it that way. You can earn a lot of money, but you have to have the risk and the money to back it up. Okay, very interesting, yeah. You need to to be uh, to handle stress, I imagine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but the also thing is you should not overthink it too much. Uh, okay. In the sense, if you think oh, this is a good market and you see there's hardly anything being built there, um, okay, I take a risk now. I spend money. Uh, a bank will not finance me, so I have to get it for my own funds or mm. somewhere else. Okay, this is where I put my money in. If I lose, I lose. But I it's think uh, uh, this is happening, so the market will go up, or it's a good design. There's hardly anything being built, so it will uh, get its chance. So. Okay. Okay, interesting. We're going to talk about this topic. Everyone will ask about it. It's remuneration. I mean, the commission. The commission. Ah, the money. <laughs> Let's talk about the money. <laughs> so, what can you say about it? Ah, oh, we are so incredibly rich as brokers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are rich in life, for sure. Eh? Because uh, I think if you like this, uh, the remuneration is... I'm making a joke about it, but the remuneration is not only about money. It's also about the freedom and the flexibility mm. you have. Of course, we can earn good money. Eh? So, uh, to start with the basics, uh, how we earn our money is, it's no cure, no pay. So, uh, if I try to sell a ship, uh, um, I'm not only one. They're also competitive of me trying to sell the same ship. And it's, it's quite a cutthroat uh, environment. Uh, but if I succeed, I earn, let's say, 1% 
commission, and that's meaning 1% of the purchase price. So let's okay. say if the, the purchase price is $3 million, I earn $30,000. But if the, the, the purchase price is $50 million, I earn $150. So, and the work is a bit the same. Eh? Even as with the bigger ships, with the bigger corporations, it's sometimes even easier because they have more knowledge. Okay. Well, if you go to a smaller company, which actually I like, but actually it means more time, yeah. more work, and less income. That's why you see a lot of the big shops focusing on the deep sea only, because the, the, mm. the prices are higher. The work you do there is maybe sometimes a bit easier as well. And also, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's bringing in more money. Okay. So it can change. So, but we try to at least have a sort of minimum if we really work on uh, the coasters. You also have some ships, maybe they're 1 million or 600,000. Of course, we try to get a bit more than 1%. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but uh, basically, that's 1%, that's basically the standard. But you have to uh, see if there are two brokers involved in the deal. Yeah, two oh, percent. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, it's very clear. It's very transparent. At least every time we do it, okay, there's an offer. This is the commission involved. So the seller knows. Okay, this is the price I get. Mm. This is the commission involved. So the net price I get is this. Okay. okay. On the start of the negotiation, then the negotiation takes on. But the, uh, it's very clear and transparent. The thing is also the seller always pays the commission. Even if I'm broke on the buyer side, okay. Of course, that's on paper. But of course, the, the seller has his net level, so the, it's okay. Then the, the 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 gross level has to be higher. That's being paid by the buyer. So in the end, yeah, then you. <laughs> it's just uh, so, but it's a very old traditional way. Uh, so um, so that's on the money. But uh, as a, as a broker itself, here if you work in a company like this, uh, of course, that's for the company. The, but the broker itself, they uh, normally, like here, they, they earn a base salary. And on top of that, they earn a bonus on every sale they do. Okay. And that, that, that depends a bit if you just start. It's a small percentage. If you are more senior, you get a bigger percentage of, mm. the, uh, of, uh, of the bonus. So apart from the standard base salary, which they get uh, twice a year, they get the, the bonus on the ships they sold in the last six months. Okay. So it's an extra. And that can double or triple your salary. It can also be, uh, it depends yeah. on how you perform. Uh, so, and, and the, it's it's an interesting thing. I, I'm not sure if that's the right thing to do because it's very traditional, basically. So you have base salary and a, and a commission structure. Uh, but of course, it also creates, especially if you're a bigger company, people, okay, they only work for their own. Yeah. And if, the, if the commission, uh, the bonus they get is, is, is the main part. But I want to create a team kind of thing. That's okay, okay uh, we help each other. Because, uh, three sharp brains can do much more than one sharp brain. If you yeah. know what I mean. So if you have people helping each other, and of course there has to be some good, healthy competition here and there, but life is too short to only focus on on, on the money itself. So you yes. have to create a nice environment. And so then I come to the next part. Let's work your remuneration. <laughs> I think also, and that's maybe you know better than I do. Uh, for young people, you have to be able to. It's not only about the money. It's also about the balance in life where you're working. Yeah. Do I like my work? That's the most important because that creates a lot of in, uh, positive energy. But also, do I like my colleagues? Do I like what I do outside? Mm. Uh, am, am I willing? Because this job, it's not an eight to five job. Eh? You sometimes you have to work very early. Sometimes in the weekend, uh, you go. On, it's it's quite funny when I go on holiday. My wife, she knows. Okay, we go on holiday. And there's always happening something during holiday. <laughs> the big deals always happen during my holiday. Yeah, that's how it is. But so, uh, 
in order to do so, you have to be flexible. So for me, you don't have to come here at nine o'clock. If you have worked uh, late, uh, then come here later. I don't mind as long as the production is there. And of course, there's a cohesion in the team that people are willing to help each other. That's important. How you create that is to, to do a lot of things. So uh, we, we do a lot of things together as well. Mm. You don't have to be the best friends, but people have to be comfortable or feel the freedom to go out or say, hey, oh, I want to go there or there. It's fine. So for me, it's not only the, 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 the base salary and the, the bonus, but every broker here, they send around the world. They meet all the clients. Okay. They, I, I send them to all the different kind of trainings, uh, educations, all these kind of things. So they, for a young person, it's very nice because you, you see the whole world. Mm. You go to a convention here or there. You meet people here and there. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's also part of, of, of your remuneration. It's also a bit of how you like to do your work. Okay, very interesting. Thank you for this. Uh, we will switch to the last topic. So the last topic of this podcast will be to give some tips and advices for, you know, young, but not only young, uh, for everyone who wants to start as a shipworker and especially uh, SNP. What advices can you give? Uh, yeah, the thing is, it's, it's a very small world, eh? mm -hmm. SNP broker. There are not that many around. So the change you end up there, it, it's not like, okay, you apply for it and there are several options. Eh? But... My tip is always don't let you deter by that. Just if you really want it, keep on trying. And maybe it doesn't work in the first time, but sooner or later you will get there. The thing is, of course, people also have to look at themselves. If you want to become a sale purchase broker, am I really an assertive, uh, commercial, uh, sociable person? Mm. And most people think, but you have to be truthful to yourself. If you are... Uh, Let's give you a good, uh, simple example. Uh, if you want to ask a difficult question, do people put it on the email, on the WhatsApp, or do they uh, pick up the phone? If you put an email, it shows a bit, and that's it's very natural. Eh? But actually here, if there's a problem, you have to face and deal with it right away. Right. So you should not be afraid of, and that's something you can learn as well. But if that's really going against your core, you know, okay, maybe that this is not, I'm a bit too blue person, for instance. Eh? But having said that, Here in the office, we have all different kinds of characters. Yeah, from blue to red to green, I'm not sure if they know the colors, all different kinds of um, okay. uh, characters. And so I'm not necessarily you have to be this kind of person, but you have to know yourself, do I become happy in doing this? So that's one thing. And if you think, ah, this would be very nice, and I'm not, not only blinded by the money and the traveling and the, and the, the nice shipping yeah. world, which is, it is very nice, because it's also a lot of hard working. That's my second tip. Don't be afraid to work hard. Okay. When I just started, now I sound very old, sorry about this. <laughs> But the, the thing is, uh, when I started here, I didn't earn anything. Okay. I worked for nothing. Okay. That was the deal. But of course, I never worked for nothing because I, I did work. Yeah? So yeah. then you earn money. Uh, and that, so you have to, um, uh, uh, to, to not be afraid when you're young to make a step outside the box not thinking okay I, everybody all my friends are doing this and they they uh, they go for the big money or the big uh, status with the big company no do if you really want to do this don't be afraid to go go the hard way okay. eh? and that means also that you have to be assertive so my tip this, uh, the third tip is go keep on trying be assertive mm. knock on the door say um, i'm here on the corner I know you don't have time, but I'm really interested in shipping this in my background. Can I uh, talk with some brokers because I'm really interested to work and uh, have a coffee? 
and nine out of ten people will, will not show you the door. And if they show you the door, you know, okay, I never want to work there anymore. Yeah, because right. people are not open-minded. Okay. But most people think, oh, they all, most people are happy to talk about the work. So if you come there, say, oh, it's only five minutes. And then only don't take them uh, for one hour. Say, okay, yeah, okay yeah. I don't want to disturb you. But if you're in there and they, they know your name, et cetera, say, yeah, okay. And then, then ask them, okay, what can I do? And how do you hire new people? These kind of things. So that's one thing. Uh, and also think about yourself. What should you do to become a broker? What's the basis? Yeah, of course, knowledge about shipping. But what knowledge about shipping should you know? You have to know about a bit of the base economics. Uh, maybe do a, a training here and there, or uh, yeah. uh, all the different kind of things. ICS Institute Chartered Shipbrokers is a good organization. They they uh, they they have an education program. You can do part of it or complete of it. So it gives you also a lot of uh, uh, network opportunities as well, but also knowledge, base knowledge, and it's a stamp in the in the, in the market as well. So if you have done an ICS exam, most people are shipping notice. So that helps as well. But uh, uh, not a education like the SCC or Delft or yep. Erasmus, uh, that, that also helps. So there are different ways, but the main thing is think yeah. outside the box, be yeah. assertive, and don't take everything too serious. Show you how you are and why you think, uh, okay. uh, why, why you, you would fit in there, and don't be afraid to make jokes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least you have good atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Thank you, Roderick. It was a it was a nice uh, episode. We got a lot of value. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, I thank hope you. I'm I'm sure we will have good feedback about this episode. I wish you, of course, all the best. And uh, on what can I say? Uh, happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy New Year. Thanks very much. Yeah, it was uh, super nice. It's always nice to talk about. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you for listening and watching this episode. We are looking forward to bring you more insights from maritime professionals, experts, and students. Do not hesitate to follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Your support means a lot to us and helps us to bring you more content.